Hi, and welcome to Air Graphics Podcast. My name is Ralph Kelly, the owner of Air Graphics, airbrushing and caricatures. This week is Brian Dillon formerly of WCA. Brian has been in the business for over 25 years. Let's hear his story. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Ralph, what's going on? You, you hear me a little better this time? I hear you a whole lot better this time. Hey, that's great. That's great. So, uh, how you been? Uh, doing well. I've uh, been keeping busy down here at the uh, on the Gulf Coast. You know, the, the tourists are Luckily, they're finally starting to slow down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's slowing down at my stop, too, as well. That's yeah, crazy. it's kind of that. Everybody's, you know, everybody's back to school, so everybody's still trying to get that back-to-school rhythm that, you know. Um, but that's okay. I'll take, I'll take it being a little slower. It was, it was so crazy busy this summer. Uh, I'm, I'm, ready for, I'm ready for some slow time. Yeah, me too. On the cool. So, um, where are you from? I am from Terre Haute, Indiana. But uh, this summer, I am currently working uh, down here in Panama City Beach, Florida. Oh, uh, there's a is that there's with a, Mark? Uh, no, there's there's an outdoor shopping complex called Pure Park, uh, and there's a shop there called Paradise Found. It's your typical souvenir store on the beach. And they are the only place in the Pier Park shopping complex that uh, has airbrushing. They've got a non-compete. Now, one of Mark Rush's stores isn't too far away. Um, They're they're in the Walmart. They're probably half a mile away. But Uh, yeah, this this is a completely independent you know, shop from Mark. Okay. Okay. I, I thought, I thought, I, I never been to Panama City, so I, I thought they were like just one spot all the way over, but I guess there's a bunch of them. Oh yeah. There's, well, um, there's, uh, Mark's got the two in Walmart. Uh, there's our shop. Um, there's a couple of Alvin's Islands souvenir stores that have airbrush in them. Uh, there's another chain down here called Sensations that I think they've got a couple. A uh, couple years ago, I worked in one for a few weeks. Um, and then there's some other small independent places. Um, I think there's one guy that's even airbrushing at a mini golf course and and go-kart track. Um Raymond Zavalza, I think he's doing that at one of the one of the go kart places. Uh, that's, well, that's cool. I guess wherever you can fit in. Huh? Oh, I I remember hearing stories. Uh, you know, back in the heyday of of the mid to late '80s, where you had airbrush artists in hotel lobbies, restaurant lobbies, gas stations, grocery stores. Yeah, I did a hotel lobby before. I was doing characters and stuff. Yeah, this this would have been like a long term, you know, setup. Um, but it it's kind of calmed down a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so um, any websites or Facebook or IZ you want to promote? Um, I've got my business Facebook and Instagram. It's West Coast Airbrush. Uh, I think there's a couple West Coast Airbrushes out there on Facebook um, because Pat had franchised them. Uh, but my avatar is the dark gray background with a hot pink and silver hibiscus on it. Uh, so if anybody's interested in seeing the goofy stuff I do, you know, there you go. Uh, so it's, it's so you're, but you wanted like the original WCAs, right? Um, I guess I, you know, I am, uh, you know, I started working with Pat in his very first inline store, um, and for those people that are listening that don't understand mall terms, you know, your inlines are your like regular mall stores, like your Victoria's Secrets, your jewelry stores, your sporting goods stores, as compared to like a kiosk, which sits out in the middle. Yeah, little uh, carts. And little carts. So, yeah, I, I helped Pat set up the very first inline store. Um, and then I worked with him for about nine years before I struck out on my own. Uh, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. So how long have you been Everesting? Uh I actually started in May of 1988. Uh, you know, I like to I like to kind of blow some young kids' minds and tell them, yeah, Ronald Reagan was still president. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when when they start thinking back, okay, well, we've got Biden, then we had Trump, then we had Obama and Clinton and Bush. And, and another bush, and, and wow, you know, it, it makes me sound really old. <laughs> uh, nah, hey, I was, I was, I just got out of high school in '88. Yeah, I got out of '86, so you're paying way for I was. Well, I I got out of high school a year after you did, so, uh, you know, got all the same aches and pains that old guys like us have. Yeah, for sure. So, um, how did you find out about airbrush? Um, I remember the very first time I ever saw somebody wearing anything airbrushed was a, a little carnival and festival that, um, a little town near us, their, their lions club would hold a fundraiser carnival festival thing. And this guy was wearing like a white tuxedo or a white suit. I can't remember which this is going back to. I want to say sometime around 76, 77, 78. Um, and he had all these weird designs all airbrushed on it. Um, and I thought that was really kind of cool. And then it started popping up at, uh, you know, our county fair. Um, and then the only airbrush t-shirt I've ever purchased in my life, I bought when I was a freshman in high school at uh, Kings Island near... Sound like a lawsuit. Give it a second. Yeah, let me go back in and find them. Oh, there you go. You back? 
I'm back. Maybe maybe my phone went to uh, maybe my phone went to screensaver or something. Yeah, I lost you for a while. You was at a, you were at uh, some place called. Uh, I lost you. So sorry, sort over where you find out at. <clears throat> Where I where I found out about airbrushing, yes, that's okay. where I lost you at. Okay, um, yeah, the first time I ever saw anybody wearing anything airbrushed was at a little festival that uh, one of our local Lions clubs put on uh, as a fundraiser, and this guy was wearing like a white suit or a white tuxedo that had all these designs airbrushed on it. It was all that kind of trippy, psychedelic, mid-70s kind of stuff. Um, and then they started popping up at, you know, our county fair. You'd see a guy airbrushing. And then I bought my only airbrush T-shirt that I've ever paid someone else to do. Uh, was at Kings Island Theme Park there near Cincinnati. I was a freshman in high school. Uh, got my name airbrushed across the shirt in big block letters, and they kind of did a, a red to white fade and i i think i spent like 25 bucks you know in in the early 80s on that oh uh, wow hey <laughs> yeah it was it was expensive um and then christmas of 89 um uh, i get an excited phone call from one of my younger brothers who was at the mall goofing around doing whatever he was doing and he said, man, you got to come to the mall and check out these airbrush guys. So I went and checked them out. Um, and it was Pat's very first kiosk in our mall. Uh, he wasn't working that one. Uh, when I say Pat, Pat Gaines, uh, it may sound like I'm name dropping here a lot, but I've worked with a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of the heavy hitters of the industry. <laughs> I've been yes. fortunate that way. Um but yeah, it was it was actually being manned by uh, Larry Bloyd and Edward Reed uh, down out of Panama City Beach, um, and so I started hanging around between college classes or after classes, and um, that ended up leading me to working for Pat as a shirt nurse because he had his contract extended for you know, several weeks after Christmas. Um, and then that led into me getting my very first kind of real serious paying airbrush job. Uh, there was a, a local couple that had just opened up a t-shirt shop in a new strip mall that was anchored by Walmart. And I worked for them for about six months till the landlords kicked them out. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't want to pay rent. Uh, turns out the the checks they wrote for all their store fixtures bounced. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting learning experience. It happens. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was what the summer. Of, that was the spring and summer of nineteen ninety. Man, but so you did work for so. Um, that's how you found out about airbrushes. So who taught you? Who actually taught when you was a shirt nurse? So when did you start like physically doing it? 
Um, well, I had started airbrushing before uh, I ever met Pat, and I was just kind of doing it. Uh, you know, again, I'd seen it at the county fairs and at the festivals and stuff that popped up in our, our town. And I thought, okay, I can, I can try to do this. Um, and it actually was a, a friend of my brother's, I guess this kid, Joe had an uncle that airbrushed in Myrtle beach. Uh, he told Joe where to buy an airbrush or gave him an airbrush. Um, and then we had a, was it a, it was a local paint paint store. They did. And they had some, a little section of art supplies. Um, that's where I bought my first airbrush. It was a Pache H. If that, if you can imagine. Everybody with the Pache's. You know, well, if, you listen, all... if you ever listen to any of my podcasts, everybody had yeah. them old fat sausage airbrushes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that, you know, at, the t- and the, at that time, that was all that there really was. Um, but uh, as far as who actually taught me, I, you know, I learned on my own a little bit. Um, I would check out books from our college library and our public library. But those books more more often dealt with commercial illustration, product rendering. Uh, so it was a lot of frisket and, and cutting frisket. Oh, uh, inst- yeah, instead of that. instead of the instead of the t-shirt type stuff. Yeah, um, and so once I met Pat and was working with him as a shirt nurse, um, he actually showed me a few little things that I needed to improve on and and then it kind of worked from there. But um, you know, as as an artist, I'm still learning from everybody I see on social media. Other artists, you know, I walk into their shop and I watch them paint. Um, you know, because if you stop learning new things, new techniques, new ways of, of thinking about things, you know, you're just stagnant and yeah. you're not going to yeah. progress anywhere. Um, I, I call it evolution. You have to, if you don't keep moving, you're going to become extinct. You have to keep watching and learning with these because it, it, it doesn't stay the same the whole time. No, it, you know, it's like a shark. They say if a shark stops moving, it'll drown. You know, they, yeah. they have to keep, they have to keep moving to keep moving water through their gills. Uh, so they get oxygen or else they, you know, people are like fish drown. I'm like, well, yeah, sharks will drown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your first adverse was a Pache. So what do you, what do you use now? Um, I actually still in, in my rack that I've got right now, I've got, I think I've got like nine Iwata Eclipses. I've got a couple Pache VLs and probably about nine or 10 Badger Anthems. So Badger Anthems, are they like close to the Vega 2000s? Um, pretty close. Uh, the Badger model is like 155, uh, but I've used some some vega 2000s uh i've i've tried the omni 3000s uh what was another one uh i tried a grex airbrush about five years ago i remember those uh tried a badger crescendo and and you know some i some i liked the feel of some i didn't um you know and that's that's really the thing you know i always see on these posts on different airbrush groups on social media that 
people are like, oh, what's the best airbrush? And there is no best airbrush. It depends on what you're doing, what you're using it for, and, and what feels good in your hand. Yeah, some people think the airbrush actually makes the artwork. It's like, uh, no. No. <laughs> no. I, and I always tell people, just remember, Leonardo da Vinci used a burnt stick, you know, he used charcoal, and a bird feather to do all of his drawings. So it's it's not the equipment, it's the artist. Because, yeah, there, there I've seen some artists do some incredibly good stuff with these, you know, cheap $20 Harbor Freight or, or other Chinese knockoff airbrushes. Um, yeah. You know, I've even played around with a couple of those Harbor Freight airbrushes, and, and I got some decent results out of it. Um, you know, but I, I've learned how to manipulate the airbrush and make it kind of do what I want it to do when I want it to do it. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're a beginner, did you lose me, Ralph? Uh, I got you, Matt. I, I hear you. Okay. okay. I think, I think it's when my, uh, when my cell phone goes to screensaver. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, uh, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> oh, well, well it'll it's, it's, it's the artist who, it's the artist who use, they think that it's, um, like you said, the, uh, the, yeah, it's, it's not the, it's not the machine that makes the art, it's the artist. And as a, if you're a beginner, I would recommend spending as much money as you can and get the best airbrush you can just because you're going to have less problems with, you know, the, the tolerances and the machining, the, the fluidity of the trigger movement. Um, Cause yeah, I've, I've worked with some really wonky airbrushes and I can't do anything with them just because they're clunky. You know, the, the trigger sticks or doesn't have a smooth motion back, um, you know, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I had a problem with the the newer Vega though, two thousands, and um, I liked it for a while. The the original with the whole the the Tyler Chandler, Tyler Chandler, mm-hmm. uh, Vega two thousand. I liked yeah. that one, but uh, when Badger got it, I kind of like it. Kind of like I don't know. I got into it with Kid about it, but Big Kid became cool. I'm trying to get kid on my podcast, so I, got, I can't say anything bad about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the uh, I mean, he he me up with some stuff, but yeah, I I yeah. like the Baker, but I'm on a um, I use a wider to, uh, a wider sound. Yeah, and I, I've I've even noticed that you know since probably the early '90s, even the quality of the uh, Pache VLs has gone down somewhat. Um, you know, I don't know if it's they've changed something in their manufacturing technique or, you know, they're just not doing as, as quality a job on quality control and, and that sort of stuff. Because, you know, I some of my airbrushes that I've got, yeah, are 30 plus years old and, and they still work fine. Um, but, yeah, some of my newer Pache AVLs, which are probably in that 25 to 28 eight year range 
old range, um, you know, they just didn't seem to work as well. Yeah. So, so when did you, uh, did you ever break out? Um, break out as far as go out on my own? Yeah. Well, my, my first real gig was on my own. Um, Cause like I said, that couple had come by our shop. Uh, you know, we were in a little kiosk in the mall and they asked if anybody was local and I was, and, so I went and talked to them and, and that was the couple that, uh, you know, they didn't want to pay rent for their, you know, strip mall spot. Um, so actually I kind of had a weird thing that I started on my own. Then I worked in, you know, for Pat's store. Uh, but then in 2000, I went back and, you know, opened my own store, uh, where I wasn't in anybody else's shop. Um, that was yeah 2000 may of 2000 i opened the doors and i stayed in that mall until the end of 2011 uh when rent just got to be ridiculously expensive and we were starting to see the effects of online shopping uh because i noticed that that's that's recently right uh well that was i closed i closed that that mall store in 2011. So that's been almost 10 years. Um, but I really noticed that right after the, you know, the, the way the economy melted down with the housing bubble back in 2008, um, you know, my sales kind of dropped off a lot, you know, probably 25%. Uh, and then after I left the mall, I, there was a strip mall just, just to the south edge of the mall property. And I was there for like four and a half years until I closed that in May of 2016, April of 2016, sorry. And went to work for Pat in Orlando. And I stayed with him in Orlando until the end of 2016 when Walmart had, they were reorganizing where all the departments were in the store and uh, the unique thing about the Pat's Orlando stores, at, or that first store at the time, we were in a kiosk right next to all the Disney merchandise. Um, so like when you walk into a regular Walmart now, just past the registers, you'll see all the women's clothing. Well, this was all Disney merchandise. And any, anything and everything Disney you'd ever want to buy and not go into the theme park, you could buy right there at Walmart. Um, but then they stuck us over in the corner next to lawn and garden, uh, right around October, November. And yeah, sales dropped off dramatically. And, and so I, I left there and came back home to Indiana. And, and then I did, you know, I got a quote unquote real job, um, I was actually working as a CNC machine operator making jet engine aircraft parts. Oh, so. I, I, I need a CMC uh, machine for some stuff I got going on. But that, that's yeah, well, expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive just because even a, even a, a cheap CNC mill that's, you know, any good, like a Haas or, or, Akuma or Mazak, you know, can set you back a quarter of a million. 
It's a it's a dirty game out there, but it's uh, but I thought Pat and them all well not thought Pat and them, Pat and them always had it going on like they always had the upper edge as far as like everything. So that's why I know you got it. It says that you had a WCA thing, so I know you had a, a great store. Yeah, I mean it it uh, it went really well, um, and. and you know, I know there are a lot of people in the industry that kind of poo-poo about, you know, the way Pat does things. But, um, you know, he, he really understands the business end of it probably better than anybody. Um, you know, his dad was a mall manager, so he knows how to talk to malls and, and what they expect. Um, and, and so... You know, if somebody wants to start up their own shop in a mall, um, like my hometown mall is, you know, they've gone through several ownership changes and, and they've lost. A, I think they've got one anchor store left out of four in the mall. Um, and they're starting to bring mom and pop type businesses back in. Um, that that, you know, the way Pat sets the stores up and and. You know, you think of them not as an airbrush shop, but as a T-shirt shop that airbrushes. It, it kind of makes you think about things a little bit differently. Yeah. And, and I think that's where my mall is at right now. I've been there for like maybe 17 years, maybe. And it's the, the stores are starting to leave. And it's like, Little like a lot of little bootleg stores coming in there. Yeah, and you know, little stores like that usually don't stick around very long. Um, you know, I, I when I originally was talking with the mall, they were very hesitant to have an airbrush T-shirt shop in the mall because they had been, uh, you know, burned by kind of some fly-by-night you know, or outfits that airbrushed, um, you know, they didn't want to pay their rent or they were late paying their rent. Um, they would just thumbtack or staple designs all over the wall. It, you know, there was no, there was no visual presentation, I guess I want to say, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it looked like a quote unquote airbrush shop rather than a t-shirt shop that offers airbrushing. Um, because uh, it actually turned out that a friend of mine was the temporary leasing manager of the mall at that time. And I was her first tenant that she actually signed. And I remember, uh, I want to say about a month to a month and a half after I opened up, I saw her walking through the mall with, with her boss and come to find out later that her boss was impressed with the way the store looked, that it looked clean. You know, the designs were were mounted to the wall on on I had some styrofoam that I had painted black and all the designs were straight and level. And, you know, it looked like a T-shirt shop. Yeah. You know, I, I could have offered iron on transfers and, and you know, it would look the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's all about presentation. You know, yes, actually, because... 
Go ahead. <laughs> when I when I um when I partitioned my malts when I, when I first went in, I used WCA pictures in a setup and showed them this is what my shop was going to be like, and it was like oh okay okay okay, and so it was easy for me to get in because it was the way that I had my my shop laid out and how I was gonna how I was gonna present everything. It wasn't just gonna be like those sporadic stuff like a flea market spot. Yeah. And, and even even then, you know, there's there's some people that I've seen that, you know, they have spots at flea markets, but they've still incorporated, you know, those general concepts of how to present the display that, uh, you know, that what that Pat and, and, you know, had figured out through years of being down here in Panama City Beach and then being in the malls, um, you know, it really all fine tuned everything. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I, I actually, when I started my fleet market, I was still on WCA. So I was, I, I, when I did it, I kind of tried to set my stuff up the same way, but I was limited in space. But when I got into the mall, it was different. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, you know, you walk by, uh, you know, any store in the mall or, you know, a strip mall. And if the place doesn't look appealing, you're not going to go in. And we all know that airbrush t-shirts are an impulse buy. So if it doesn't look appealing, they're not going to come in. They're not going to ask questions and you're not going to make a sale. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that is the one thing that I, I remember Pat just hammered into my head. He's like, it's got to be clean all the time. You've got to look just like the jewelry store on the corner. You've got to look just like, Macy's you've got to look just like you know Victoria's Secret you you know everything's got to be clean if you know if you, if you got the shirts hanging make sure they're all the hangers are all going the same way if you're folding you know the shirts make sure that they're all folded exactly the same size so presentations yes again it's it's presentation 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 and then of course then you got to be able to deliver but you know, you, you can't deliver if you can't get them in the door. Yeah, yeah. And I, I found out that a lot of it's either word of mouth or spontaneous buyers. Yeah. And, you know, there's I, I did a few radio ads and uh, did a few TV ads. But it, it always seemed to come down to, you know, word of mouth. Um, and especially if you get in with like high school kids uh you know then that just kind of feeds that beast and it, it's just non-stop uh you know one of the things that we we got really well known for was uh senior jeans uh several of the high schools in our area the girls all decided hey let's do you know some let's let's decorate jeans for the first day of school uh, and so I just got done a couple weeks ago with, you know, I, I want to say probably 16 or 17 pairs of jeans that, you know, they mailed to me from Indiana down here to Panama city beach for me to, to airbrush so they could wear them on the first day of school, you know, and that's been going on for 20 years now. So I could I could literally be doing the children of some of my original 
you know, senior gene customers. Oh, wow. That's, that's, yeah. But that, that's cool, though. That's a good yeah, thing. That, that, it makes me feel old, though. <laughs> hey, it is what it is at this point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. I mean, you have a, you have that, that, that stigma of, of, because a lot of people come to my shop with the same thing. Oh, I used to come here when I was a kid. Like, Yeah, there was uh, one mom, I was doing her son's graduation cap, and she was like, oh, yeah, you did mine, you know, 20 plus years ago. And I'm like, oh, man, that was probably the first time I felt old airbrushing. It's like, no, I I can't, I I can't be, I I can't have been doing this long enough to, to have done yours and now do your kid. But uh, yeah. you know, my, my, my dad taught for quite a number of years and, you know, he was at the end, he was teaching the grandchildren of some of his original students. So. Oh, man. wow. Yeah. So, so how did you. Um, so from this date, from then to now, how long have you been at Brussels all together? All together, 33 years. years. Um uh, 31, you know, really for my, my bread and butter. Uh, if you count those two years that I was working at the machine shop, you know. Um, so, yeah, 33 years altogether. Man, which, that's you know, like, you, that's, a, that's the same as like Tom and Pat. Well, no, uh, Tom, Pat started, I, I want to say somewhere around 74, 75. And I think Tom Davison started somewhere in the like fifty nine, so like ten years before I was even born. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I did. I did a podcast. Me and Pat Tom a podcast. Tom. Um, so you work with Tom? Did you go to Arizona? Were you in Arizona? Uh, no, actually, I have worked with Tom, but he actually came to our store in Indiana. Uh, we were actually getting ready to open a store in suburban Indianapolis at the Greenwood park mall. And Tom was on his way from one of his state fair commitments. Um, we were actually having the girls 11 and under AAU national basketball tournament in town. So we had 52 teams of, of like 15 girls on each team. Um, you know, so Tom and I worked together for that week or so, uh, just painting, you know, basketball designs on T-shirts as fast as we could. Because, uh, you know, once the first girl got her T-shirt, she showed it to her teammates, and then That's how it the, flood, the floodgates opened. Um, I mean, it, the, that week was probably busier than even a busy week at Christmas. Yeah. What's a, what's a, you just have to do one person and it starts. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's like, you know, you break that seal and then the floodgates open. I, yeah. I think, I think I remember, if I remember right, we had done at least one shirt for like 39 of the 52 teams. But usually if we did one shirt, we were doing several dozen for each team because you know 15 girls on the team plus mom and dad plus any 
siblings and maybe even grandparents or aunts and uncles. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a crazy week. Uh, But a prosperous week. Yep. So do you, do you, do you do any outside events? I haven't for a long time. Um, you know, Pat started, you know, after Pat got back into airbrushing, he started doing, you know, wrestling meets and gymnastics meets and swim meets. Um, and a couple of those started getting so big that he needed extra help. So he always would call me. Um, and then that, of course, fed into me doing a few of, of those events on my own. Um, and last year, right before COVID locked everything down, our local Harley dealership uh, was going to do some like first Friday kind of things, um, you know, where they would have vendors come in and, you know, the bikers would all, you know, look at the new bikes and have, have a, an adult beverage and maybe a, you know, some charred animal carcass. Um, but, uh, you know, COVID kind of shut that down real quick before it even started. Uh, so I haven't really done any outside events in, a, in quite a while, but, um, you know, I haven't really pursued it either. Yeah, true story. I, I was, uh, I used to do a lot of events when I had my truck, but um, I've done so much truck just recently, it's like, eh, I really don't want to go out no more. Because I don't want to be like in a, I don't want to start over like in a tent. Yeah. Hey, so I, what, I, I've been looking at, at some trailers. I'm thinking, hmm, how can I convince my wife to let me spend the money to buy a trailer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That, that moment of technical difficulty was brought to you by my fat thumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Hey, so what other what other artists have you ever collaborated with? Oh gosh, here's where it sounds like I'm name dropping. <laughs> um, you know, I've worked with Scott Fitzgerald, um, who was known as the King of Cars down here in Panama City Beach during the '80s and early '90s. Um, you know, I've worked with Tom Davidson. Of course, I've worked with Pat. I, you know, I was at his shoulder for about three years. Um, you know, every day. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, I've had other artists work with me in my stores. Um, a guy named Michael Pierman, who is now in the computer field. Um, Bill Evans, who worked with me in my store in Indiana. And then he got a gig down here in Panama City Beach. And then I started working with him. Uh Gosh, I'm trying to think of all the other guys I've worked with. You know, um, Pat, Tom. Uh, you know, right now I'm working with uh, Shannon Dane and Bill Martini and a guy named Jeffrey Harborn. Um, you know, I, I I would love to work with, you know, anybody and everybody. You know, you can always learn something new. Um if I think of any others, I'll I'll shout them out, and it'll be a total non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, you know. It's um, 
it's, it's not a, like a list of uh, like big people, but it's like the people that you, you know. It's it's a great thing that you have a chance to like sit on the side of some of the people who started it all out. You know. Yeah, you know, there's that. Uh, there was that quote that you know says uh, something about you know if I can see farther, you know, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, and, and realistically, you know, the people that I've worked with, you know, like Tom and Pat that literally, you know, built the airbrush t-shirt industry, uh, and being able to, you know, listen to them, tell stories and, and watch the way they do stuff, you know, you could not pay enough money in a college class to get that kind of education. You know, that's, that's literally like, you know, going to medical school or law school, right off the bat and having, you know, the greatest doctors and lawyers in the world teaching you right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Get, getting it from the masters, right? Well, not the yeah, masters. Yeah. I, don't oh, want, yeah. I don't want to put it that way, but put it for the people who started it all out. Yeah. The, the people that have, you know, literally gone from using, you know, sign painting enamels and, and diluted silkscreen inks to, you know, then coming along with like Aquaflow and then Createx and ETAC and Spectratex. And, you know, they've literally so, seen people use everything running through an airbrush. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, what you had the uh, one shot, you had to dilute the yeah. one shot with some thinner. Yeah. Put that on shirts. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wonder how many people, you know, may have gotten a little bit of lead poisoning before anybody thought about why they were lawsuits. <laughs> so, uh, what do you use now? What was your choice of paints right now? Um, I'm almost exclusively ETAC, um, but I still use a few colors of Createx, uh, a few colors of Aquaflow just because they match up better with like some of my local high school colors um, that, and, you know, certain colors of certain brands, I think perform better than, you know, those same colors of other brands. Um, you know, so for the, anybody new listening, you know, don't get tied into one brand just because, you know, Airbrush artist X says, you know, use X, you know, use brand Y of airbrush paint and brand Z of airbrush. Um, you know, it's, it, it seems like this industry falls for that, you know, quote unquote, celebrity endorsement uh, way too easily. Um, yeah. You know, especially in the days of, of Airbrush Action Magazine, where, you know, somebody would post an article and. And of course, they were, you know, sponsored by brand X and brand Y and brand Z. So, of course, they're going to mention, you know, their sponsors in that article, um, you know, hey, free advertising, right? Um, but, you know, like I, like I was saying earlier, you don't have to use a custom Micron Iwata to get a fine line. I've seen, I've seen guys put out a hairline with a Pache VL3. I have too. So it, it's it's not necessarily again, not the machine. It's the person driving it. It's the person driving. That that is a true story. Now, I have I have used ETAC. 
I've used um, Createc. I use Wicked. Um, I tried the Spectrotex. Spectrotex. I, I I spray it eighty psi. What do you spray it? Uh, sixty to seventy. Yeah, so I'm at eighty psi. So you have. I think with Spectrotex, you have to change your um, air pressure because it's so so wet. Yeah. Um, I remember, oh gosh, this is probably back 2011. Uh, a bunch of us got together in Indianapolis, uh, and, uh, I think Doug Burke brought up some Spectratex from, from Louisville. Uh, Art Solis came down from Michigan. Tracy McKenzie came over from Kentucky uh, Mike Doherty came from Cincinnati and, and we all met in Indianapolis cause it was kind of central for everybody. And yeah, the, the Spectre text just seemed to be very, very liquid. I mean, if you're wanting to spray with very low PSI Spectre text was really great, but yeah, at the high, pr- high PSIs that you and I spray at, yeah, it, it just seemed too watery. Yeah. I think Jaime, Jaime Rodriguez uh, was a Spectratech person, though. Yeah, I think he was, too. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not knocking, you know, Spectratex, you know, just be, but it just didn't work for the way I paint, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not old, no. I'm not dissing anybody. I just, yeah, I just it, it's, it's, you know, again, going back to those, you know, posts that we see on social media and, and even back, you know, in the old message board days. Um, you know, find, find, find what you, you know, try them all, find what works and, and then go from there. What works best for you. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, when, uh, when COVID hit in 2020, like in, uh, what, March, April? Yeah. How March. did COVID, how did COVID affect your business? Um, it didn't really affect me at all. Um, because at the time, uh, COVID hit. I was working in a chain of hardware stores. Uh, if you're from the Midwest and upper Midwest, you know, the name Menards. Um, so I was selling paint and stain and dog food and groceries. Um, so it didn't really affect me cause I wasn't actually working as like as a full-time artist. I was just doing stuff out of my house. Um, I had a little, I have a little studio set up in my basement so I could, still do things for local customers um so it didn't really affect me then uh but i did come down here to panama city beach in late june yeah late june um because another artist in the store was leaving um and so it it, last year covid was okay on the beach uh you know everybody just wore masks and we had a little barrier set up and, and it was good. You know, I made quite a bit of money. Um, now this summer, you know, with, with vaccines and, and people feeling more confident about it, it has just been off the chain busy. Um, you know, literally you start your shift and you don't stop for anything until the end of your shift. Oh, that's you know, there, great. There was a time, there was a day I, I don't even think I took a restroom break one day from nine o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock at night. 
Hey. I was literally, I was literally just trying to get caught up on all the orders. So that's that's hey, that's I think I think what it was when they first started like the shutdown. I think we were maybe two or three months, but then when it opened up, it was like bam, everybody had all this extra money. Yeah, everybody had stimulus money. Yeah, and, and they've been stuck. And they'd been stuck at home for two months. Um, You know, I I think the store down here was closed for about a month before they reopened. Um, But I I think the guy that runs the shop down here um, is a bit of a COVID denier. Um, I don't think he, I think he thinks it's still a, you know, oh, it's just the sniffles. Uh. I'm not going to get it all, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So, what did y'all do to adapt to, like, some people, like, who was closed, some people, like, went to, like, more or less online or, or just Facebook posts or whatever. How did y'all, how did you adapt to keep everything going, y'all? Oh, yeah, I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know, I, I've built up quite a, you know, a bit, a bit of a following through Facebook, um, you know, previous customers, you know, I, I had a little sign in my store. It's like, Hey, follow us on Facebook at this address. And here's our Instagram. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a, as early as an adopter as some people were with social media, um, as far as using it for a business, but, um, you know, I was just kind of doing stuff locally because I had I had the hardware store job and we were considered as an essential business because we did sell personal protection equipment. Um, but, yeah, I, I really haven't pushed the online stuff yet. But, you know, my wife is telling me, yeah, maybe you ought to look at an Etsy store, or open, you know, design a website, you know, and start doing more through that way. Um, you know, just to, just to more supplement during the winter time, you know, what I make at the hardware store. Yeah. Um, like, uh, there's a couple of people who do really great on, um, it's like, uh, Hector. Yeah. Hector. And it seems like Ken Johnson does a really good job on with, you know, with doing stuff with Etsy, um, I actually think that's the way it's going. I think actually, like, it is a a storefront, but online is actually, like, really taking over. Yeah. uh, You know, back in the 90s and and early 2000s, you know, everybody was in malls because malls were still, you know, popular and big. Um, But, yeah, now everybody's so used to buying stuff online that – you know, that initial hesitancy, you know, in the early 2000s has obviously faded because, you know, I, I, I'm afraid that, you know, one day the, the uh, either UPS or the post office delivery driver is going to knock on my front door and ask if my wife's okay because, you know, they haven't delivered an Amazon box in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, well, the cool, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
So, you know, there's, there's some things that I probably ought to be doing more online. Um, just to kind of, like I said, just to supplement what I do here in the summer, uh, and then, you know, go get a quote unquote real job for the winter. I tried it. I tried it. I tried to get a real job. I did it for yeah, one it, week. It... Well, luckily my department manager was, was a really cool guy and, and we could trade movie quotes and, and stuff from the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books that uh, we're, we're, we were a suitable nerdy match. <laughs> uh, so that yeah. made things easy. I was told um, I started a, a real job, and it was like I was told like two days before it was for the end of the week. I was like, I got a phone call. Like, I don't know this number. Let me answer it. Um, hey, the mall's opening back up at the end of the week, so just letting you know. So I hung up and looked over at the formula. Like, hey, this my I'm putting in my two weeks right now. <laughs> so it was yeah. just that quick. Yeah. So. So, um, do you offer any online sales now or have you thought about it? Um, I mean, I don't have like an actual, you know, storefront. I, I, you know, through Facebook, I know you can offer stuff for sale on Facebook, but, um, usually people are just messaging me that, you know, Hey, I, I need a, can you do a shirt for, you know, my, my kid's fifth birthday or. You know, it seems like all the high school kids, you know, now know to contact me through Facebook for their senior jeans. And um, so, yeah, I really haven't done any sort of online sale, um, you know, and, and with what we do, it's kind of hard to to put a discount on it because it's, you know, everything's pretty unique. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like, hey, if I buy ten McDonald's hamburgers for a dollar, can I get them? Can I get a break? Um, but even then, uh, you know, there's uh, we could we could talk for an hour on this subject, and and you know, we'll make this a four hour long podcast. <laughs> uh, so hey. my thoughts on that, but you know, we're we're always getting asked, you know, hey, if I if I get two shirts, can I get a deal? It's like. Oh, yeah. I'm doing, I get that. I'm doing. All the I'm doing time. twice. I'm doing twice the work. You know, I I always just thought I've, I've always countered that when they ask for a discount on like two shirts. I'm like, tell you what, if I hire you, can I have you work for two hours, but I only pay you for one? Yeah. Can I come to your yeah. job? Can I come to your job and ask you for like half of whatever you're selling? But it's like yeah. that is that is a big issue. Like if I don't know you, and and why would I give you a discount? What's the point? What am I doing it for? Yeah, you're right. It it now I have I have charged less for repeat customers. You know, it's it's kind of like a loyalty program. You know, I mean, I don't, I didn't ever actually have a loyalty program, but you started to see the same customers that would come in, you know, maybe once a, every couple of months or, or, you know, a couple times a year. And, you know, you, those are the people you're willing to work with. You yeah. Know, versus. Well, don't walk versus, in and ask me for it. Versus somebody that I, I literally had this happen to me, you know, when I had my mall store, 
guy walks in. I say, Hey, how you doing? First thing he does is leans on my counter and goes, what kind of discount can I get if I buy two? Didn't say hi. Didn't acknowledge that I had acknowledged him. You know, first thing out of his mouth was, can I get a discount? And what, what gets me is as a small business person, you know, I know what my numbers need to be to just pay my overhead. You know, the lease, the light bill, the water bill, sewage bill, phone bill, internet, you know, credit card fees, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yet people will willingly walk into, you know, they'll camp out in front of the Apple store because, oh, Apple's releasing a new phone next week. You know, so I'm going to camp out in the mall for a week. Uh, and then when it's released, they pay over the list price or they do it for Jordan shoes or LeBron shoes. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're, you're going to pay over retail for some multimillionaires, you know, athletes shoes. But then you come to a mom and pop place and immediately ask for a discount. Yeah. It, it, they won't that, do that. They don't ask Macy's for a discount. They don't ask anybody else for a discount. Yeah, you, you can't walk into Walmart and lean on, you know, the, the conveyor belt for register five and say, what kind of discount can I get if I buy two cans of, you know, green beans? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, do you event- offer uh do you have any other hobbies besides Everest? Um you know, I love watching football. Uh, you know, my youngest son played football from third grade through college. Um, and he's got a couple of college teammates that are in the NFL now. Uh, so it's kind of cool knowing that, hey, I know that dude. <laughs> um, then, uh, you know, I, I'm an old school video gamer. Uh, you know, everybody thinks video gaming started with the Atari 2600. And I had a Coleco Telstar. It was a little three-sided pyramid. It had a racing game, a Pong-type game, and then a shooting game. And that was from, I want to say, about 77. Um, And then when my kids got into school, you know, I got back involved with uh, the Boy Scouts and have been a a leader in the Boy Scouts at the Cub Scout, the Boy Scout level now for uh, almost 20 years. Oh, wow. It's cool. Yeah. Even, even though, even though my youngest son aged out of Boy Scouts like five and a half years ago, I'm still involved. <laughs> hey, I, I was in Boy Scouts for like two weeks when I was a kid. Only maybe a week. Well, my, my, my youngest son, uh, you know, he, he's an Eagle scout. Um, and you know, that's, I always tell our, our scouts, like there's nothing you can do. And, and between the ages of 11 and 18 and put on your resume when you're a 50 year old man that other than, you know, Eagle scout that anybody cares about, um, so, you know, we, we have turned out quite a few Eagle Scouts in our troop. Um, 
I, I know some of the other troops kind of call us a, an Eagle Scout mill that we just kind of sign off and, you know, we because we, we seemingly have a never-ending stream of Eagle Scouts. But it's a lot of um, it's a lot of uh, stuff they have to do to become an Eagle Scout. Like you have to like go out and camp and. Oh yeah, yeah. There's 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 merit badges they have to earn. But you know, when I was a kid in the Boy Scouts, uh, you know, we had quite a few Eagle Scouts, and you know, these guys are my buddies, and you look at you know, what they do now as, you know, 50 year old plus men, you know, one guy is the director of safety and security for a global pharmaceutical firm. Another guy runs um, a diabetes research lab for a college. You know, one guy was a 32 year Marine and led two of the three Marine Corps bands in the United States. You know, so these these guys are all these, you know, type A, go getter, um, high achieving kind of guys. Um, So, you know, it 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 definitely trains you for the rest of your life. Yeah, it seems like. So um, how often do you get well, how do you get to do your habits? Um. You know, of course, with football, you know, it's every Sunday or, you know, sometimes Fridays and even Saturdays, uh, you know, during the winter. Uh, you know, if there's a game on, I'll watch it. What's your favorite NFL team? Uh, my favorite NFL team would probably be a, a tie between the Dallas Cowboys and the okay, okay. Colts. That's good enough right there. That's Cowboys. You know, well, you know, I, I, I grew up in the era of Roger Staubach and Tony Dorsett and yeah. T. Paul Jones and Harvey Martin and Randy White. Um, but then, you know, once the Colts moved to Indianapolis from Baltimore back in the mid-80s, you know, now I've got an NFL team that's an hour from my house. Um, and for a, about a 10-year period – the Colts actually had their training camp in our hometown. And so we got to go out to watch training camp a few times. And um, actually one year, the Colts set up a mini like training camp at one of our Cub Scout facilities that was pretty much adjacent to where the college they were holding training camp. Um, And I got to meet former Colts safety, Mike Pryor, he won a Super Bowl ring with the Green Bay Packers. And so here we are out in the middle of the woods and he just, you know, holds up his left hand and, and or right hand. Yeah. And there's this giant ring. I mean, this thing looks like, you know, somebody put a large rock on his hand. <laughs> and it's all encrusted with diamonds and the Green Bay logo. And then he reaches into his gym short pockets and he goes, yeah, this is what you get when you lose the Super Bowl. And it was the, the one they lost to the Denver Broncos. And that thing was still an impressive ring. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Cowboys, I'm, we go to the Super Bowl this year. Well, so, um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. How often do you get to uh, do your hobbies? Oh, no, it's excellent. 
Do you keep any, um, do you keep up with any artists that you work with? Um, yeah, I mean, luckily with social media, you know, now it, it's a lot easier to keep up with people, you know, as long as they're on social media. Um, you know, if you look at my friends list, you know, the, there's, you know, some, you know, my local family and friends. And then, you know, all these other artists that I've met through, you know, the old West Coast Airbrush message form or even the old airbrush.com message form going back to the late 90s. You know, that was that was a treat using AOL dial up. <laughs> um, you know, so and, and that's that's the really cool thing about social media is you're able to network with artists all over the world. You know, I've, I've got artist friends, you know, on my friends list that, you know, Australia, Japan, Taiwan, Russia, you know, England, France, Germany, Spain, Canada, you know, all over. And, and that's kind of the really cool thing. I guess that's the one good thing about social media um, is that you can, reach out and you know become friends with you know people all over the globe and and see what's being done in all these different countries yeah true story yeah um who would you like to meet um i would have liked to have met the late mike lavalley um you know um You know, I, 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 oh gosh, man, who would I like, who else would I like to meet? Um, you know, I think I'd like to meet Steve Gibson of, uh, his Instagram I know is air oil and lead. Um, you know, I see he, him doing some really cool stuff on motorcycles and on, on fine art type stuff. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to meet anybody and everybody. How's that work? That sounds great. <laughs> okay, you know, so tell uh, us something about yourself that nobody knows about. Something about myself that nobody knows about. Um, well, well, no, that's well, not, not, not yeah. nobody knows about. <laughs> something about yourself that the body's you know, the airbrush the world that <laughs> that the airbrush <laughs> world no no know about. Um. I don't know. I, I, maybe a kind of an odd thing about me is that I write and I draw left-handed, but I, left-handed? Airbrush right-handed. I, I write and I draw left-handed, but I airbrush right-handed. So yeah, am, was it ambidextrous? Is that the uh, a, a bit? Uh, I, I think some of it comes from when I was a kid playing little league, I broke my hand, my left hand playing baseball. So I, I spent, like six weeks while I was in a cast learning how to write with my right hand, um, which my writing really didn't improve either way. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, your airbrush writing and your your physically writing is two different things. Yeah, I mean, but but yet if if I throw a baseball or football or shoot a basketball, I'm right-handed. Uh, you know, the only things I really do left-handed is write and draw. Everything else is right-handed. Yeah, I'm, I'm right-handed all the way. So Okay, yeah, so 
So did we miss something that you want to bring up? Um, well, you know, kind of going back to, you know, when we were talking about stores and, and mall presentation and stuff like that, um, you know, I know other people, I've posted this out there before on, on, you know, several of the airbrush groups, cause people have asked me, you know, how do I go about starting a store? Um, you know, so for anybody that is interested in, in starting up their own shop, you know, great place to start is at sba.gov, the small business administration. Uh, if you have a major college campus near you, like a state college or, or any college that seems to have a business program, uh, they're probably going to have a, a, a uh, an office there called the Small Business Development Center. Uh, they'll help you write a business plan. They'll help you get a loan um, either through the SBA or, you know, be able to take stuff to the bank and, and go get a bank loan, which is what I did for my very first store in the mall. Um, you know, so it, it makes you, you know, when you write up a business plan, it makes you think of, you know, how much money do I think I'm going to make? What are my expenses? You know, what's my overhead cost? Um, cause that, that seems to doom a lot of the, you know, quote unquote airbrush shops, uh, because they hadn't thought through the business end of it. They were more worried about putting color on shirts. Um, another organization is called score. It's the service Corps of retired executives. Um, and, you know, I talked with Chris Riley about this at, at length several years ago. Um, you know, those, these are older executives. They will, you know, again, they will help you. Uh, and the good thing about those small business development centers and score is since they're funded by the small business administration, almost everything is completely free. You know, oh, wow. so if, if, uh, they, they do have some seminars and stuff that, you know, might cost you a few bucks, like 25, 30 bucks to register. Uh, but, you know, you can set up and meet with a counselor. They'll help you go through your business plan and help you, you know, with marketing even after you're open. Um, and then, you know, once you're up and running, keep records out your wazoo. Um, luckily my wife is an accountant by trade. Um, and so she's helped keep my books. Uh, otherwise, you know, the, the tax man will come knocking and he's not going to accept any excuses other than give me the money. That's the one thing that um, people don't talk about is that sales tax. And if you have employees, all the taxes that you have to pay. Right. Employees. Right. You're going to have, you're going to have, you know, if you've got employees, you're going to have, you know, the, uh, you know, you got to pay the 7.65% matching on the social security and, and all that stuff, you know, um, you're going to have your income tax, you know, come April 15th. Um, you know, you're going to have your, uh, unemployment insurance. You're going to have to take out when you start hiring employees, you're going to have, you know, your, your, just your regular liability insurance that, you know, a mall is going to require you to have. 
I think the mall required me to have a $1 million liability policy. It's up to $2 million now. It's up to $2 million? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been out of the mall for a while, so I, you know, I haven't had to worry too much about that working out of my home. Um, but yeah, it, it, it could be a 2 million, you know, if you get into a really high end place, yeah, they could even require probably $3 million liability policy. Yeah. Um, but you know, then again, you've still got your rent, your light, your water. If you've got, you know, a, a bathroom in it, um, you know, all those, all those other things. And, and luckily that's, that's one of those things that this, the SBDC will, help you with um because i i've been you know right before i went and went out on my own again uh i've been keeping track of sales numbers and stuff like that for a couple years when i was working for pat uh in indianapolis and so that helped immensely when i put together my business plan because i had now actual hard numbers um and so when, when my counselor and I were going over the numbers on what I estimated my annual sales were going to be, you know, they wanted you to do a month by month breakdown. And so I, I, you know, he's like, where'd you come up with these numbers? I'm like, oh, here, here's my sales numbers that I've kept for the last two years. Here's the hard numbers. And, uh, you know, he, he was impressed to see that, hey, wow, you're going to have a, a downturn in the month of October. Um, and then you're going to go back up for November, December. Then you're going to fall off in January and February and start back up in March. Um, so he, he, you know, that those are those things that a lot of artist minded people don't think of is the business end of it. Um, and again, if you're going to be in a mall or a strip mall, uh, even if you're going to be in, in a souvenir shop like we are now, you know, you still have to present yourself as a business. Yeah, true story. True story. <laughs> and, and I'm sure they'll find out eventually, but they need to find out beforehand. Exactly. You know, they, as they say, the, the school of hard knocks uh, gives you a very thorough education but the tuition is extremely high. <laughs> I've never heard it that way, but yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I read that quote somewhere and it's like, that's, that stuck with me. And, and of course, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <gasps> that, that's a great one too. See, we yeah. need to, we need, when I post these, we need to put those quotes right underneath the, Right underneath it. You know, maybe that's what we're going to do. We're going to start a post, uh, you know, on one of the airbrush groups, you know, just uh, some great quotes to uh, to operate by. Yeah, because, you know, still a lot of people still getting into this business. It's, it's not like just us old people who's like, I'm ready to move on from it. But it's, it's still a lot of people still getting into it. Airbrushing is really not dead. No, no. And I remember reading, oh gosh, this is going back probably 30 years, um, when Airbrush Action did a, a profile on Scott Fitzgerald. Um, 
he said something to the effect of as long as people have egos, we'll have a job, you know, because they're going to want something on a t-shirt. They can't find pre-printed at Walmart. Um, You know, and of course now with some of these names, the way these parents spell these names and give their kids very quote unquote unique names, you know, working in a souvenir shop, they're not going to find, you know, Jackson spelled J X S N pre-printed on anything. No. So it has to be custom made. Yeah. So as long, as long as, you know, people start, you know, keep naming their kids weird things or wanting something other than what they can see Matt, that's been mass produced at, you know, Macy's and Walmart and, and wherever, you know, we'll still have a job that has the industry ebbed and flowed. I would say, yes, I think I've been around long enough to see where it was really popular. And then when it's kind of started to slack off and, you know, now it seems like it's getting back to being popular again because everybody's having that nineties nostalgia wave. Yeah. And like you said, man, you know, you have, 90s you, parties every like at least 20 of them every weekend. The 90s parties, yeah, you know, where uh, you know, five years ago they were still 80s parties, now they've now they've moved on into the 90s. And what was popular in the 90s? Airbrushed, you know, apparel, whether it was t shirts or sweatshirts or bib overalls or denim jackets you know it, it all it all comes back with a different haircut and a different soundtrack yeah exactly so the last three questions i normally ask on the podcast are so what in your life do you feel most grateful for uh most grateful um you know, first and foremost, it's, it's got to be my family, you know, my wife, my, my two boys, um, you know, because they, you know, my wife obviously puts up with me, you know, when I, when I had my store, I was working long hours, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour days. Um, you know, even now, you know, I've been down here in Panama City Beach since the beginning of April, and now here it is the end of August. And I've still got a few more weeks to go. Um, you know, so she puts up with me doing that. Um, you know, the, the kids were the reason, you know, I wanted to work so hard. I wanted to give them, you know, everything they, they needed. And then, you know, other stuff that they just wanted. Oh, that's how it is. That's how it is. Hey, yeah. if, you can, if you can have lunch with anyone... Dead or alive, who would it be? Oh man, we could probably go for another hour just on this list. Um, you know, I, I, I would say, you know, it, if I could do somebody dead, it would be somebody like a Thomas Jefferson or a Ben Franklin. Um, just to be able to pick their brains or, you know, uh, Isaac Newton or Da Vinci, um, you know, even Stephen Hawking. I mean, I probably couldn't understand 
you know, the, the level of intelligence that he's got, but it'd be neat sitting around <laughs> talking to him. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, there's, there, you know, uh, you know, could you imagine sitting down to lunch with Robin Williams or, uh, you know, like a Richard Pryor or George Carlin, you know, as far as comedians go. Uh, Man, George Carlin was like above his time. Cause I was listening to some stuff he said the other day. I'm like, man, that's like, that's crazy. Oh yeah, he he would he would be having a field day with the current political climate in the United States. Oh, he would. He definitely <laughs> would. Uh, <laughs> he 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 could probably come up with new material for a an HBO special about every other week. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, and, and and skewer both sides of the political aisle equally equally sharp. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it'd be interesting to, you know, go talk to my, my mom's dad. He passed away when she was like 18. So like 10 years before I was even born, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, there, there's just so many people out there that it would be interesting to sit down and have a lunch with. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I messaged Pat earlier. Pat just sent me a message, told me to tell you, ask Brian, when is he moving to Orlando to work with me? <laughs> oh, okay. So, so he's now using you to give me my monthly reminder of when am I coming to Orlando? Hey, uh, I'm just saying, I'm talking to him right now on text, and he's, that was just messing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pat and I have talked about that. Um, my wife can't early retire from her job for 51 more weeks. But that's that's the easy part of the whole equation. There, there's a lot of other stuff that... Sorry, my other iPad died. I haven't had them on charge all day. Yeah, okay. Well, at least, at least I know it wasn't my fat finger this time. <laughs> yeah, it was on me. Okay. Yeah. Pat, Pat's been after me since about a week and a half after I came down here to Panama city beach to come over to Orlando. And that that's probably eventually in the plans, um, that I would work there for a few years until I finally decided to retire. And then, um, I think the wife's decided she wants to retire to here somewhere here in the Florida panhandle, you know, Panama city beach, Dustin, somewhere like that. Um, just because she wants to be near the beach. So, Yeah, I don't know why everybody go to Florida. Man, Florida is crazy. Well, yeah, you know, but you know, at least when you're crazy, you 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 don't get looked at too weird down here because since everybody's crazy, every you know everybody looks normal to everybody else. You blend in, huh? Yeah. Hey, I I've been to Florida like to to well like Orlando like maybe eight times. Every time I'm like. God, this is these people are retarded down here. But hey, the weather's crazy because um, it rains and then it stops and then it rains and it stops. But hey, it, well, yeah, I is. mean, just just like Monday, we were kind of worried. Okay, which way is this hurricane going to track? Is it going to go hit Louisiana or is it going to come curl a little bit to the east and hit us? Because um, we had a couple weeks ago, we had tropical storm. Uh, Fred passed just to the east of us, so it you know rained like cats and dogs 
for a day and a half, and and then it was fine. <laughs> yeah, Pat said he'll be looking for you in fifty-one weeks. <laughs> well, like I like I said earlier, there's there's some other uh, dominoes that have to fall, um, and I won't get into that here on the podcast. But I, I've I've mentioned those with Pat, but you know, yeah, it, that's the twenty y'all. Just because, yeah, I, I, you know, he and I have a, a, a long working relationship. You know, again, I met him back in 89, you know, after I'd only been airbrushing about a year and a half. So, um, you know, we, 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 I, I tend to think like him a lot just because, you know, uh, you know, I, I worked with him every day for three years and, um, but I'm, I'm not a carbon copy clone, you know, hype hive mind thought with him i we've had discussions on stuff so but uh yeah it's uh it's eventually in the plans that's that's eventually where i think i want to end up just because you know someplace like orlando where you've got tourists all year long um is is much steadier than what it is here in the panhandle where from memorial day until labor day yeah you're busy but then it just kind of falls off a cliff after Labor Day. And then you stay slow until you get back to spring break. Yeah. 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 Hey, well, I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And, and you know, you have been a staple in the Abbas industry for a long time. I, I remember you from like, when we used to channel WCA. And so, yeah, you've been around for a while. Yeah, and and you know, I I've I've met a few guys that they they just don't want to part with their information. You know, it's like it's like the old alchemists. They they figured out how to turn lead into gold. Well, you know, we've we figured out how to turn you know air and acrylic paint into money. So yeah, uh, and and I you know when I when I post my stuff out on social media about. You know, when people are asking about questions about, you know, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, you know, I, I feel as, you know, somebody that's been doing it a while, it it's falls upon me to pass along what I know to the next generation. Um, I, you know, I know I know people are out there that don't want to tell other artists, you know, what to what to buy and how to do it because they're worried they're insecure and they're worried that you know well if i if i tell you know joe x about this then joe x is going to be better than me and he's going to take all my work and i'm going to starve to death um you know i've always looked at it as you know let's let's bring the whole industry up you know because if you know if you're better than me then that's going to inspire me to get better myself yeah and we're just going to keep put, you know, pushing that bar higher and higher and higher, um, so that you know it, it raises the overall industry, as they say, a rising tide. What is a rising tide raises all boats? Um, you know, so I, I I hate seeing a lot of incorrect information out there that people have. Oh, you know, so and so said to use wax paper and an iron to set the paint on my t-shirt i'm like no (laughs) 
Yeah, you know exactly. that was that was that was probably how they did it back in 1972, but it's not that way now. Um, or to uh, what was it? Soak it in like salt water or vinegar or something like that. Um, you know, that's that's just the, you know, that's the way they did it. You know, because they were using other stuff. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know. It, I guess as one of the uh, elder statesmen uh, that are still active, I guess, um, you know, yeah, it, it's just falls upon me to pass along what I know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's the thing that we're supposed to all do. Just keep it moving and keep it going and, and try to train the new, the new people. Yeah. And you know, that's, that seems to be kind of an issue. It doesn't seem like there's that many people getting into the t-shirt end of the airbrush business. Um, you know, I don't know if it's just because, you know, they don't see it in the shopping malls that they only see it at, uh, you know, resort areas like, you know, Gatlinburg and, and Pigeon Forge, or they come down to the Florida Gulf coast or, you know, Myrtle beach or Hilton head places like that. Um, you know, if it's not in front, if it's not in front of your face, then, you know, you're not going to think about it. Automotive is nice and you can make some good money, but you have to work twice as hard and you you have to, you you can't get paid until you do like two months of work. Let's just say two months of work. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, you know, everybody's like, oh, what, what kind of, can I use this acrylic paint I bought at the craft store, you know, for t-shirts? Like, no, buy, buy the regular, you know, Createx or Ictac or Aquaflow. Um, but, you know, it's like, I, I, I just, you know, automotive paint is just so outrageously expensive anymore that, you know, I don't see how many guys can make a living doing the custom artwork end of it, uh, you know, exclusively, unless they're doing canvases and, and fine art stuff and textiles and, and other stuff. Cause you know, even though what Craytex goes for what, like a uh, hundred and twenty some odd $130 a gallon. Um, you know, if you were buying gallon sizes, you know, when automotive paints going for six and seven hundred dollars, you know, a gallon or up. Yeah, it uh, it, it makes it real hard to, uh, to to make overhead. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't understand. I don't understand how they think that. Um, I mean. I've, I've made quite a bit of money on t-shirts. As I have. I mean, I, I've been able to raise two kids and, you know, several houses and, you know, cars. And, and you know, nobody's, you know, nobody's missed a meal. The lights haven't been turned off. Um, you know, yeah, granted that t-shirt airbrushing is kind of like the culinary equivalent of McDonald's. But, uh, you know, McDonald's sells a lot of hamburgers every day. 
So it, it definitely, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely money to be made in it. And, you know, I know people are like, Oh, but, but it's just doing the, you know, cliched beach scenes and unicorns and teddy bears and double hearts with, you know, Bob loves Mary across it. And like, yes, yes. It, it may be cliched, but like you said, you can make a lot of money off of unicorns and beach scenes and teddy bears and double heart. Bob loves Mary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Add it up all day long. Yep. Oh yeah. You know, and, and that will give you the money to where if you want to take a, a short time off to do your fine art stuff, uh, you know, if you want to paint on canvases or do a car hood or motorcycle gas tank or something, uh, you know, then you'll have the money and the time to take away from the t-shirts to go do the other cool stuff. Yeah. Cause, um, I've lived quite well off of it. As have I. Yeah. So, so. all right. Well, thanks a lot for your time. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to get a lot of information out of it. Well, I hope so. Hopefully this will get edited to where it's not like, Pat Gaines length. <laughs> <laughs> we'll break up the breakups. We're going right. to dry it out. Oh, thank you and have a good night. Thanks, Ralph. I- I'll post it sometime this week. All righty. I'll talk to you All later. Right. Bye. Uh, thanks. Air Graphic Podcast is a production of Air Graphics Airbrushing. It's written and hosted by me, fellow airbrusher Ralph Kelly. If you want to see any of my work, check out my website, www.airgraphics1.com or my Facebook, Ralph Kelly. Thanks for listening.